What's up, bikers? Episode 140. Today we have professional rider and YouTuber Remy Metallier on the show. Super stoked about that. Hopefully, I didn't butcher his last name. I um I know it's probably not quite right for you. Those of you that are French speaking probably are like, man, what's wrong with this dude? Anyways, he's got a short amount of time. So today I want to tell you guys a couple of things really quick. First of all, Thanks to the guy that went over to Apple and wrote a review. I can't remember his name right now. It was really funny. It made me laugh. Basically, I'm a paraphrase. He said he loved the show. I'm relatable. And he's faster than me on Brewers in Sedona. And then I had no way to be able to check. So <laughs> anyways, really appreciate that. If you guys want to help out the podcast, do me a favor. Swing by Apple. Write a five-star review. And um, hopefully I'll remember your name. And then I'll go ahead and mention that on the next episode. It's really good. Helps the algorithm. Um, Figure this, figure this shit out, right? So outside of that, thank you very much, Patreon. You guys are rad. You definitely are supporting the channel. Um, it means a lot. So you guys can help out as well. Those of you that aren't on Patreon are as little as a buck a month. So it's it's really, uh, it's like I always say, man, bartender pours you a beer, you give him a buck. So what the hell? Here's a podcast for two hours, right? Anyways, I'm going to go ahead and get get uh, Remy back on, on the screen here. And we'll just go ahead and get started. What's up, Remy? Hey, how are you doing? Not bad, man. Just living the dream, right? <laughs> how about you? Yeah, good, good. Just came back from an e-bike ride. Um, enjoying the last bit of sun before the winter. Yeah. Um, it was it was a bit cold, but very nice, very nice sun. So that's good. Yeah, no, it's definitely that time of year where um, it gets chilly and it gets dark early. So that's... Um, that's always a bummer. Do you do any night rides? I have actually never properly done any. No, oh, really? Actually, first time I came to Vancouver, to Canada, my uh -huh. first ride was actually a night ride. Did you have lights or was it just a night ride? <laughs> uh, we, had, we, had, we had lights and uh -huh. I was actually blown away by the number of people doing it. Yeah, yeah. So it was in end of February or maybe yeah. beginning of March. So, you know, it's still, you know, sunset is probably, what, 6.30 p.m. or something like that? Yeah, 6 yeah. And uh, so people, after a while, they, you know, the, the trails were packed, and I was very, yeah. very impressed. Yeah, it's like a whole different, like, way of riding, you know? It makes you ride a little looser, and you got to kind of can't quite, you can't see the same, like, the shadows are different and stuff, so it's kind of kind of weird, but I don't know. It makes old trails new again. I'm surprised you haven't haven't done much night riding, but. <laughs> I have a set of lights, so I, I will at some point do it for sure. Yeah, yeah, right on, man. So, how'd you get into riding? Well, my my dad was mountain biking, uh, very you know, very recreational, um, uh -huh. and the sport was growing pretty big in the south of France. Mm -hmm. Every year, there was like you know, basically the French sea Close mm -hmm. by where I live, so you know I'll go and I'll go with my dad and you know see the bikes and um, there's a bunch of like you know BMX shows and stuff like that and we had Nicolas Vuillot which has been you know ten times he's been ten times world champion mm -hmm. and he was living close by where I lived like a couple hours away or not even actually and uh, so the scene was really growing with him being you know that successful. And suddenly you had, you know, a lot more kids doing it and started to have like a few races around and it's, the sport got really popular in the south of France where I'm from, uh, mostly because of, you know, the success of 
some of the riders at the international level. So actually, the first, I believe, the first, one of the first World Cup uh, was organized close by Nice, where I lived. Um, <laughs> and so the sport, like even the sport of enduro, is basically born in the south of France. <laughs> so that's kind of how I got into it. Just you know, seeing it, I wanted to be part of it, <laughs> and I uh, started riding. You know, when I was a kid, but seriously, when I was 15 or 16 years old. Mm-hmm. So. so 15 or 16 is when you like really like started to apply yourself or more like that's when you started racing or something no that's when i got you know my first bikes that were capable of you know doing like jumps and you know big mm-hmm. jumps and stuff like that uh so my first free ride bike was when i was 15 i think mm-hmm. or i guess when i was 15 and uh <laughs> I was 16 actually mm-hmm. and uh, you know, then I started riding more often, like, you know, once a week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, started to go to a few bike parks here and there. And then I did a couple of races, you know, very, very amateur, but that's what really got me very much. Mm-hmm. So is, is mountain biking like pretty popular in France or is it kind of like still kind of catching, catching on or what would you uh, say? It is definitely very popular. Like, I mean, French riders are overall, like, you know, very, very competitive. Like in Dunhill, you know, the last World Championship, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one, two, three, four, elite male. Um, so it's, it's, actually, it's actually quite popular in France. I mm-hmm. won't say as much as it is in BC, mm-hmm. where it's so normal to see, but in France, it's, it's pretty more competitive. So mm-hmm. less doing it for fun and more people actually racing or trying to you know trying to race especially younger generation but the mm-hmm. spot the spot the spot is big like it's and it's getting bigger mm-hmm. so when you first started getting into like what what kind of racing were you doing i did a couple of downhill races of the what downhill uh-huh oh downhill okay gotcha and um so i did a few of those uh you know very just to participate really uh-huh. And uh, so that took, you know, I did, I did a couple at the very start. So I didn't do any for, you know, a few years. And I think I started to, you know, do a few of those local races when I was from, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old. Mm-hmm. I did seasons where I did actually, you know, I, I'll race every, every race in my, you know, around my hometown, which was like, you know, five, six races a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I started to do some enduro races. So it was the same, you know, basically same riders were doing both, like a lot mm-hmm. of the guys do downhill and enduro. And because mm-hmm. everything is so close, you know, the, dri- the most driving you'll do to, to, to go to a race would be two hours. Right, right. Yeah, but, I used to live in Germany and I mean, you can pretty much get anywhere in Europe in a couple hours, right? Exactly. So um, that, that was really convenient, and that that really got me super passionate about the sport. Right on, man. So, like, is that where you just stayed? You know, like doing enduro and downhill, or did you like? Because I I, I want to say I've seen like clips of you at, at like kind of like Rampage or something like that, or Red Bull or something like. Isn't that yeah. a, a big clip? Like being doing like kind of more like free riding stuff in in one of your like your video intros. I think what, what I really enjoy is, is riding. I've actually mm-hmm. never, I've never loved the racing. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't like 
pressure of like having to go at a certain time and you know running fast on a place where you don't necessarily want to mm-hmm. go um, so you know for me like the most like the best part for me was just riding and having mm-hmm. fun that's why naturally that's how I progressed into free ride where mm-hmm. you basically do you know whatever you want to do and yeah. even, at, even at Rampage you pick up the line you want to ride uh-huh. you, know, you, you are not told what to write so it's 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 really and now what I do with the videos and even on YouTube it's I go and write trails that I want to write right right which is you know so that way that keeps it exciting for me and I don't have to follow a calendar of you know location where I don't necessarily want to ride or you know if I'm if I'm not going to have fun I just I just don't go and I stick to stuff that I know is gonna make me excited to ride my bike mm-hmm how often do you ride? Like every day or? In the summer, like basically every day. Uh, yeah. It gets, you know, it gets tricky. Like, I mean, over the last, over the last two weeks, I actually didn't ride. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, it's been really cold. It's been very wet. And it's just not as, you know, I can't, pro- I can't really do any content when it's, yeah. when it's wet, dark and. Right. And, and so, and also it's kind of my off season. So I, I do take some time off. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I try to ride a bit less and just focus on other stuff. Like, you know, quite busy at home and have a lot going on with, you know, even like sponsors, like, you know, doing the, the business part basically. And so mm-hmm. right now the day is being shorter. Like I, you know, I spend a lot of time on my computer as well. So, uh, yeah. but in the summer I ride every day basically. Yeah. What do you do to cross train? I I do like you know I go to the gym while well, I have mm-hmm. a gym um, so I do you know like basic super basic workout but just to keep just to keep in shape I really enjoy road biking mm-hmm. I actually especially when I go to France uh, when I come back to France I, I usually road bike you know basically every day um, mm-hmm. and I discover I ski a lot in the winter. And I discovered a passion for uh, dirt biking and trials moto. Oh, so cool! Right, man. So I do a lot of uh, of enduro moto and uh, trials moto. Yeah, and there's a really big, big ski resort in France. What's like Mont Mont Blanc or something? Was was like you know which one I'm talking about? Mont Blanc. Mont Blanc is a mountain of. Uh, it's like the tallest mountain in Europe, and yeah. that's where basically, you know, that's in Les Alpes. And Les Alpes is uh, basically the mountain area, and there you got, you know, hundreds of ski resorts, basically. Yeah, yeah. I never got to ski in France. I skied in Austria and stuff like that, but in Germany, obviously, that's where I lived. But I never got over there. I kind of always thought Mont Mont Blanc was like the Whistler of Europe. Is yeah. that accurate? Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, you got you got like a lot of ski brands that are from. You know Grenoble or Annecy, which are the cities, because Mont Blanc is actually the mountain. Um, but at the bottom, that's where you got all those, um, all the different like little cities. And I yeah, think yeah. Rosignol and Salomon are from, if I'm correct, Annecy and, and Grenoble, which are at the base of the. Oh, mountain. yeah, right on. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so, I, I, you got a lot of brands from there, obviously. Cause... Yeah, when I was in um, Austria, like you could ski between like I don't know, five or six different cities just on the lifts. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like it's kind of crazy to compare uh, it to. It, it, 
you don't really have that in, in North America. It's very European, where you can take one lift and go from one mountain to the other. And just, yeah. and, you know, if you had to drive, that would take you all day. But right, right. Go up, down, up, down. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, no, it was, cool. it was definitely quite the experience, you know, to be able to, to do that. How'd you get into skiing? Was that like same thing? Your dad did it and you were just like, whatever. My dad did it. And uh, at first I wanted to be a pro skier when I was a uh-huh. kid. Um, and I was actually much better at skiing than I was at biking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think like my dad was always, you know, like skiing is a sport that's, you know, it's going to die with obviously the snow condition, you know, being worse every year. And I, I've definitely seen that like in France, it's uh, pretty obvious that the slow level has gone like slimmer and slimmer over the years, over the last, you know, 25, 30 years. Um, mm-hmm. And even for myself, as you know, when I was a student just before I moved to Canada, I didn't have the money to go and travel to go skiing. And I mean, every season was getting worse and worse. So, so actually, quality days that I had were very, very slim. Mm-hmm. And I, I never lost interest for skiing because I've always loved it. And I'm actually, I'm super excited to go skiing in the next, you know, couple of weeks when mm-hmm. we start open. But um, it was definitely getting tricky with the conditions yeah. mountain biking you know you can bike basically anytime you know sometimes are definitely much nicer than others because of the yeah. temperature and the dirt etc but you can ride in the winter you can ride in the summer so yeah 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 definitely i mean i used to like ski all winter and mountain bike all summer and kind of like really had a like differentiate like asian between the two but um, somewhere along the line, I think we had like a real lousy winter and it didn't snow much here. I, I live in Northern California now. And for whatever reason, we rode bikes all winter. And ever since then, I just haven't skied as much. Like every once in a while, I'll go a couple of times and it's still just as fun to me. But for some reason, I, I think the biking just has my passion, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, and, and passion come and go, right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Right. So it's stuff that I, you know, well, I guess I've never really lost passions for anything. I just yeah. add, I just add new passions. <laughs> right, right, exactly. That's the way it goes, right? So you said you were into getting into some moto stuff too. What are you doing there? Uh, in Squamish, is actually a pretty big scene for Charles Moto and Enduro Moto. Mm-hmm. So there are trails that are different from the mountain bike trails, uh, different mm-hmm. zones. And it's stuff that you will not enjoy mountain bike on it. Uh, the mountain biking will not be interesting. Uh, yeah. but it's been really fun like we we have a good group of friends and you know mountain biking being my job i every time i ride it's usually to get content uh, yeah of course i ride social and you know for fitness with my friends but uh, a lot of my friends got into enduro moto like a little bit before me and mm-hmm. you know i just didn't get to hang out as much with them because they they would still ride mountain bikes but the time that i ride bikes i usually it's for me it's work Mm-hmm. And so moto was a good way for me to, you know, keep the social aspect and, uh, and, you know, hang out with the same friends. And yeah, we all got into the sport, like basically at the same time. And so it's been like really fun. Like, you know, we compete against each other at yeah. a very friendly level, but it's been, it's been really cool. And I would uh, imagine that's pretty good, like physical cross training though, too. Cause I mean, even though you're using a throttle, you're still having to throw that bike around. It's, uh, I am more tired after motos than after biking. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's very, especially because we do hard endure. So, mm -hmm. like, you know, you get stuck and you have to muscle the bike around, you know, trying to get up in and turn around on single track and push your bike. And it's, it's really, really physical. And there's a lot of, there's a huge technique. You know, it's yeah. like you have, to, you have to get smart with how, just like a mountain bike, right? You, you see guys that can ride on all day long and not get tired because they've got a good technique. But as soon as yeah. you start struggling and your technique is not on point, like you use way more energy. Same with skiing, surfing, and any sport, really. But uh, yeah. it's really cool. I, I really enjoy it. And yeah. it's really different from mountain biking, but you still like, you know, on trails in the forest. Mm -hmm. And yeah, uh, that it's actually focused on the uphill versus mountain biking that's focused on the downhill. Yeah, it's kind of funny whenever I, I live close to Downingville, I'm sure you've, you've been or heard of that. And you always see the moto guys, they like shuttle backwards, you know, like they're, they're shuttling to the bottom and we're shuttling to the top. It's always kind of a trip. So, yeah, 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 right on. So how did you get from like doing the races in France to like being in Canada? So I basically met... Pretty randomly, but I met this guy in France. Um, we had a one friend in common, and my buddy was like, Hey, like, you know, I was supposed to ride with him that day, and I, I didn't. And, you know, when he comes back, he's like, Oh, I've met this guy called Sylvain. Um, he's just like a super, super good rider and super fun to ride with. And I was like, Because I was doing all those little races, I felt like I knew everybody that was you know, good rider, because every good rider in France basically races. Right. That's part of the culture. You don't really have, like, amazing riders. Well, now it's changed with free riding, but at the time, if you're a really good downhill rider, you'll be racing. And so my friend, you know, like, oh, yeah, you, you'll get along really well with this guy. And he kind of described it to me. And I'm like, I've never heard of this guy. Never seen him. And it's, it was not, like, a huge scene. You know, there would be, like, 200, 200 people per races, mm -hmm. but only like 30, 40, like, you know, really good riders. So I'd be like, funny, I've never heard of this guy. And uh, I ended up meeting him like completely randomly. And we just had a blast riding together. Like we, you know, we were going at the same speed everywhere. Like there was mm -hmm. no section where he was better than me. And there was no section where I was better than him. So we would mm -hmm. always like, you know, race each other and, and long story short, he's a bit older than me. And yeah, told me that he had done two summers in Whistler. And mm -hmm. that's where he learned most of his skills. Like he was really good jumper. Um, you know, he was really comfortable doing like scrubs and whips, which, you know, I wasn't because I, I would never practice jumping. I was a pretty good jumper, but, you know, I didn't know how to do scrub or whip and he did. Um, and he always told me, he's like, as soon as I can get a new visa, I'll go back to Canada. And he had a girlfriend at the time that was living in, in Vancouver, or that was planning to move to Vancouver. And so, you know, we rode together like every weekend for, for a year. And one day, like, yeah, I just got my visa. I'm going back to Canada in a couple of months. And I was like, I was pretty bummed. I was obviously stuck for him, but I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to lose my best riding buddy. And I've always wanted to go to Canada. But he was like, you know, you should definitely get, finish your studies and then get a work visa, come to Canada. And I don't know if I would have gone to Canada if I didn't know anyone there. So mm -hmm. the fact that I knew him, 
you know, it was a huge help having someone, you know, that comes and pick you up at the airport and you have a place to stay for a few, you know, a few days, few weeks while you get set up. Like that was a huge asset for me. And yeah, so, that's a big change. I mean, it's like a different country on the other side of the planet. So you don't have any support system or anything. So. Yeah, I've never, you know, I was pretty independent, but I've never, <laughs> never lived alone before. Uh, mm-hmm. I was just finishing studying. And uh, while I studied, I stayed at my parents' place because it was close back um, to the university. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, so it's been amazing. I met him back in Canada a few months, what? A year later for me, and uh, yeah, we uh, you know we're still really good friends, obviously. And yeah, were you riding like were you a like a sponsored rider at that point, or did no. you not get sponsored until after you got to Canada? No, I got sponsored after I got to Canada. Back in France, at what's called the co-factory, which would be, you know, if you if you go and like if you race and you get like decent results at like a local level like you'll get a shop that supports you with like you know 25 to 40 percent of the bike yeah, uh, yeah you know like a very the first very first step of sponsoring mm-hmm. so that's what i had in france for a couple of years and i was always very like professional so i'd be like very serious and you know try to do my best to best represent uh, the shop that was helping me out mm-hmm. uh, it was very you know it was a matter and when I came to Canada, I had to buy a new bike and, and I tried to do the same, to have that same approach. Like it was mm-hmm. called grassroots. So like what, you know, grassroots contract. Um, mm-hmm. So basically, and I got this uh, with a few brands, you know, a lot of it was like, you know, 40% off. And then when I came to Whistler, that's really when things started to change because I was writing so much, you know, I, I did progress, but also I was very, analytical of my writing. I was trying to progress. I was not just writing for writing. I was trying to get better. So mm-hmm. I'm trying like 10 times in a row, try to get faster every time. Like I treat every single lab that I did almost like a race mm-hmm. where you try to like, you know, analyze the line, analyze the bike, you know, what can I change? How can I get faster? And then there was a uh, local series of races in the bike park on Fat Wednesday where you basically got nine races uh, across the course of a season on different trails. And I was doing those and, you know, I had no intention whatsoever to, to do any good at it, but I ended up doing pretty good at it. And that's really, that really like boosted me to, you know, try to keep going fast and, and faster. Yeah. I think what you said there about analyzing the lines is one of those things that a lot of people don't actually do. You know, like they don't go out and even on their local trails and really take apart a trail piece by piece and figure out how to get faster at it. And uh, I think when you do that, you unlock so much time that you just didn't like a lot of people just go out. They try to ride it as fast as they can over and over again, you know, and that helps. But I, I really think, I mean, do you agree with me? Like when you go out and you actually are like, no, look at this line, look at this line. That, oh, that makes sense. Like you really, really change things a lot. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's huge. And, uh, you know, it applies for, for any sport, not just for mm-hmm. You got two kinds of people, you know, people who just want to ride for fun and the people who, 
right for fun, but also want to progress because the uh, idea of progression gives them just as much fun as the riding. Yeah. And I'm one of those people where, you know, I love riding, but progressing is, you know, for me, the best feeling. Yeah, I kind of bounce between the two. Like sometimes I want to get better, and sometimes I'm just like, "This is cool, man." You know what I mean? Like, and, and I'm the same. You know, there's some kind of stuff where I'm not really bothered about trying to progress. Yeah. I went this weekend and I rode Coast Gravity Park, which is a bike park on Sunshine Coast. Uh huh. And uh, I just wanted to ride. Yeah. 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 I you know. Go ahead. You know, I could have like maybe stop, look at places and be like, oh, maybe I can find a gap here. Do it yeah. over. I just wanted to ride. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about like you were talking about, you know, when you moved to Canada and how that kind of changed things for you. It's It kind of reminds me of like people that want to be an actor, they all go to LA and it seems like, like going to BC is like, the way that you can work on becoming a professional. Do you feel like that's like similar or? Uh, I don't think it's a way to do it. Like it's worked for, for a few people, but it's not, you know, I feel like you could do that anywhere in the world where there is a scene. Mm -hmm. Because then you get opportunities anyway to travel. And also you have to think that, yeah, Whistler is great. There's a lot of talent, but it's also very, very competitive. So to yeah. stand out in Whistler, it's much harder to stand out in Whistler than it would be to stand out elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you get people from all over the world coming every season and you get so many fast people and so many talented kids. <laughs> so it's not the only way to, you know, to make it as a, as a provider. Yeah, yeah. What would be your advice to somebody that's trying to like, like maybe in a similar position to you when they were, you were in France and you were just kind of racing locally? Well, well, either you follow the, you know, the, race, the racing aspect and then, you know, if you're in France, you're in a really good place to be very successful at it because there's a lot of races. There is an extremely high level. Um, if you're in the U.S., like the problem with the U.S. is that the country is so big, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to like races. It's, it gets expensive, but um, there's a lot of amazing riders in the U.S. as well. Um, mm. Canada has got obviously amazing rider and amazing trail, but not all year long. So that's mm -hmm. you know, a little bit of a trouble. Um, I think you just really need to be really passionate and you need to really, really enjoy it. And then you need to be very methodical, but mm -hmm. you need to have fun. Like I ride, I ride moto with uh, Jackson Goldston, which is, you know, currently probably one of the best mountain bikers. Uh, like he won outline by you know seven seconds basically. Um, he was the fastest time of the day in Valnor at the World Cup, and I think mm -hmm. one of the reasons why he's so good is just because he has fun. Mm -hmm. like he yeah, loves, yeah. loves running so much, yeah. and he, wherever he goes, like he doesn't you know if there is like a road and you have to pedal on the road for a little bit, like he's playing on his bike and he really loves it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why he's so good. But one of the yeah. reasons why he's so good. And I think as soon as you stop having fun, you don't progress. Yeah, yeah. How do you, how do you keep um, finding things to push your skill set? Because I mean, when I watch you, like you're doing things that to me are like, like 
not even possible. You know what I mean? Like, but like between like you and Nate Hill out riding around together, that's like, oh, this is a day. This is a normal day, you know? So like, I, I would say like in my riding, as I've progressed, there's trails that I used to have a lot of fun on that are kind of boring now. And I would imagine that once you get to the level that you're at, you're like, how do you find the enjoyment or the things that really push you? Well, I like to, I like to push myself only when I'm really in the mood of, you know, getting gnarly. Like I need to be very confident. I need to have a purpose. If, if my purpose is only to scare myself, like I, I, ne I never do that. Mm -hmm. like usually it will be for a video and I'm very, very calculated. Like I never do something, you know, kind of random. It's always very like, I spend a lot of time thinking about how I can do it. What's going to be the best approach. It comes back to, you know, is there the techniques, the lines, is like a lot going on. Uh, but also, so I love the super gnarly features and, you know, to really challenge myself, but I also really enjoy the very easy stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you put me on a, trail with like some super small drums but you know it's well built and it's fun like i have actually a video coming tomorrow on my channel and it's mm -hmm. you know it's a fairly easy trail it was actually a blue trail mm -hmm. uh, there's a couple of big jumps in the middle but overall it was you know a blue trail and i had so much fun riding it and yeah. it's not where I had to push myself like none of the jumps were you know a challenge or scary or mm -hmm. you know they were like and I really, really enjoyed that. Like I don't yeah. need to, I don't need to push myself to my limits to have fun. And I think mm -hmm. that's important. Like I see some people who, you know, and also I get paid to push myself, right? Like the nerdier stuff I, I do, the you know, basically the more value I can have for sponsor because I I can show what the product can do. Uh, mm -hmm. So for me, it's, you know, it's, it's a really fine line between, you know, taking those risks, but making sure that I have fun. And when I do take those risks, making sure it's very calculated and that I limit my exposition to, to danger. Mm -hmm. Have you, have you been injured before in the past? Like a bad injury or? Yes. How, how do you deal with that? Um, the funny thing is that most of my injuries were on stuff completely random. Yeah. Yeah, it was not not doing something crazy or not taking a risk. And I think it comes from like when I do something difficult, I am so focused. Mm -hmm. You know, my level of focus is extremely high. Whereas every time I got injured, most of the time was, you know, just cruising around and you know I cut a pedal yeah. thing or you know there was a rock on the way or I just lost my balance doing something stupid. Uh, that was yeah. most injuries. So. It's never really affected my confidence to do that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, it's, I mean, it does suck, but it's, it's part of the game. So I try to be patient and, you know, I try to make sure that I can come back healthy and, and with a good mindset. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, um, how do you mentally prepare for some things that like, like recently I seen, I think on Instagram, you did that big role in, in Moab, that like huge, huge one, right? Like, that's not really something that you can stack up to like, oh, I've done something like this before. So, like, how do you get yourself in the mindset to do that? Well, it was like, um, I mean, you know, it, I, I knew what was the skill required to do that kind of feature. And it's all about breaking control. Mm -hmm. 
pretty like that's pretty my best quality mm-hmm. on the bike, my braking control. So I feel like you know, I'm like I was very confident that if someone you know has a skill to do that kind of stuff, it would mm-hmm. be me. Um, you know, that's what I do all the time, like braking control, steep steep stuff with braking control. So like doing it was not you know I had no I had no fear whatsoever doing that. Uh, mostly because it had been done before. So, mm-hmm. you know, I... Is that one of those things that just looks worse than what it actually is when you're on it? Yeah, I think it does look worse than it actually is. I think yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but then, you know, knowing that, you know, it had been done before, like, I'm just going to ride it my way, which would be, you know, with my own style. And I was like, you know, I, I can probably ride that faster than it's been done before. And so there's like a little roll in the middle where you you basically cut some air. So unless mm-hmm. you know how to do a scrub, you won't be able to do it on that mm-hmm. fast. And so, you know, I did it as fast as I could just to to make it more entertaining for people to watch. But for me, going really fast on it was not like, it was not more fun. You know, it was, yeah. it was purely for, you know, to have a good video out of it. Yeah, 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 totally. By the way, I don't advise anyone doing that feature. Uh, <laughs> It's dangerous, but also apparently it's completely illegal. So I, I recommend people to not try it. Oh yeah, yeah, I hear you. I know you were doing that. Uh, I watched that video that you did with Nate Hill and Sedona, and you guys were like up above the the white line. Was that stuff sketchy to you, or did you feel like you were like kind of just right in in your zone there too? No, same. Like I was, yeah, I was in the zone. Like so, white line actually didn't work it. I straight brought it. I know there's exposure, and like exposure can really get me. Uh, mm-hmm. Today, I went to see um, a feature that one of my friends built, and it's like a jump onto like kind of a mushroom feature. Mm-hmm. And you know, if it was like a meter of the ground or like 50 centimeters of the ground, like you would not even think about it. But it's actually mm-hmm. really high. So if for some reason you were to make a mistake, I mean, you'll get badly hurt. So exposure like really gets me sometimes, but on the white line it, it didn't actually. Mm-hmm. The likeliness of me making a mistake there would be, you know, it's it's yeah. pretty. But you know, once again, mistakes do happen. So yeah, yeah. I remember you were doing stuff above it though. I remember there was some kind of like there was like a like you like kind of dropped into this little shelf and then you had to jump off this other shelf and get into a like a real steep kind of ravine that like got you down to the white line. Cause you guys were up above it. Yeah. So I started, I don't know if it's uh, the bottom part's definitely been done before the upper part that I've done. Not sure it's been done before. Um, mm-hmm. It actually looks nothing in video, but it's pretty gnarly because you, you looking straight down at the bottom of the white line. Yeah. So, you know, if something were to happen, that could be really, really bad, but, I'll go back next year and, uh, you know, see if I can find uh, new lines and, and, you know, more creative stuff to write. So pretty uh-huh. excited for that. So at what point did you decide, like, what you were doing as racing wasn't, like, like wasn't enough that you wanted to start doing YouTube as well? Well, I've done the... Um, so racing, I've, I've tried to race at the World Cup level. Uh, in 2015 or 16, yeah, 15 and 16. But you know, this 
the first thing is that I didn't enjoy it. Like I mm-hmm. never, I never enjoyed the racing. I felt like I did it because I was getting better and better. And I was like, you know, maybe, maybe I could do something if I, you know, if I keep training and if I keep focusing on it. But the truth is that I've never, I've never liked the race, like actually racing. I, I love mm-hmm. racing, but like, you know, when there is a beep at the start, like I just get scared and, and the things that I, I, I just have fun. And so when you take the fun away from me, if I, if I don't have fun, like I, I really don't try it well. Like I need right. to, I need to enjoy it. When I have fun, when I enjoy it, you can tell because I just ride much, much better. And, mm-hmm. uh, but then I got the opportunity with Rampage and, you know, it turned out, you know, I could do, I could have like my own style and my own signature to anything I was doing. And same with the videos. And, you know, the racing was not for sponsors. It was for me. Like I was like, you know, I, I'm in a position where I can try. So I as well try. Um, but it was never like pressure of sponsor to go and, and do races. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, yeah, it's, I think in 2014, 2015, I focused on just doing my own thing with like creating content, videos, photos. I did a few Urban races and I actually did pretty good at some of them. I won, I won Puerto Vallarta and um, Don Taxco, which are like the two, I mean, two of the biggest ones, you know, that was, you know, some of the best riders uh, there. And I did fifth at Valparaiso, which is pretty the biggest event. Um, and so I, I did, I did pretty good at that. But same, I just didn't enjoy it. You know, I love, I loved riding my bike in the city, mm-hmm. and training was really like the training was super fun. But the actual race, when there's a beep at the start, and you have to go as fast as you can, I just, I just didn't, didn't enjoy it. You know, I love riding at eighty percent of my abilities, but mm-hmm. I never enjoy riding at 100% of my abilities. Yeah. yeah. And the difference between, you know, you do a track in three minutes or you do it in three minutes and 10. For me, yeah. I have more fun doing it in three minutes and 10 seconds. And I take literally half of the risk. Yeah. So yeah. pushing to that racing speed, it just, um, yeah, it was never, never fun for me. Like the risk was just right. high end. So you you started looking at, at YouTube as a way to like still be like able to ride at the level that you wanted to and and have like sponsors and stuff like that. So you figured you'd be more marketable if you could yeah. get a good social following. Yeah, that's basically it. So the way my career started, like so first of all, I never thought I would ever be a provider. Mm-hmm. It just in twenty. End of 2013, I put two videos out from Whistler that really blew up and I started to get like lots of companies interested. Um, 2014 is really when, you know, I, I did it again the following year where I put a video and everybody was like, wow. So that's really what helped me. And then I was like, well, now I can't get a new visa for Canada. So I have no choice than, you know, making pro mountain biker or pro mountain biking like an actual job. Mm-hmm. And so when I started to push and you know, I started to get paid enough to, to live off mountain biking. Um, so it was 20, end of 2014 and 2015. And, um, you know, then I got invited to Rampage and somehow I finished 10. So I was pre-qualified for the next year. And in 2016, I was very disappointed with my running. 
somehow I was qualified again for 2017. And then I got denied entrance in the US when I went to Rampage. Um, I got denied entrance because the border um, told me I needed an athlete visa, which you don't need when you come and compete for prize money. You do not need an athlete visa, just a tourist visa. But anyway, I got I got denied entrance. And so I was like, shit, I might, like that might be, you know, the start of the end of my career for me because if I can get to Rampage, you know, it's a huge blow for my sponsors. Um, that year, I didn't, I didn't do much. It was 2017. I didn't do, because I was invited at Rampage. So I was like. Yeah. So you're like standing at the airport and did you already like fly to the US and you were at customs or you were like just trying to I drove. So I got turned around and then I tried to go back like, you know, a couple of days later. I had a letter from a lawyer. Like if you read the law, I was totally allowed to go to the US and compete for prize money. Yeah. You know, once you get denied at the US border, like, I mean, I was chatting to someone else at the embassy and they knew that I was in my right to go Uh and compete for prize money, but they they just like don't want to go against the decision of one of their coworkers. You could tell it was so obvious that the guy knew I was like, I had printed the law. I was like, look, it, it says here. Like, yeah. And the guy was like, sorry, you do not meet the qualification for the tourist visa. And I'm like, oh, God, that had to be like, so infuriating. Yeah, it was a bit of a nightmare. And so then I got, I went to a race in Mexico, uh, in Taxco. And like, I felt like I had no other choice than to win. Like, I, I had to win to, you know, just to not let my sponsors down. That was really, you know, I was like, I need to put everything I have to to win. And mm-hmm. uh, somehow I won as the two the two runs and take best time of the run. But so I won. And so then I was like, okay, I'm you know to something. And then I won again the first race of the season in Puerto Vallarta, like the first only race. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so the first race I I did. Um, and so I was like, oh, I'm, I'm onto something again. That's, you know, I can keep my sponsors happy. And I was then focusing on abandoning, which, you know, at the time I, I really enjoyed the vibe and it was, it was really fun. Uh, but actually before that in 2016, I went to that same race in Taxco and had a crash and I broke my T6 vertebra. Oh no. And for a while I was like, okay, I, you know, I mean, the doctors were like, you probably would never ride again at the same level. And so I was, you know, I was very, very worried. So I thought my career would come to a stop in 2016. But yeah, somehow, yeah. somehow I recovered well. Then 2017 happened with, you know, that uh, denial entrance in the US. But You're then, like, really? <laughs> then it went back up with, uh, you know, a few urban and events. And then, you know, like sponsors, like started to, um, I mean, they kept on increasing and, you know, I got better contract. And, you know, with social media, like it's, you know, it was pretty, my, my growth was pretty linear, like the entire time. Really. And it was, I think it was really proportional to uh, the effort I was doing. And, you know, I was putting more effort into doing videos and everything was, you know, like all the hard work was uh, rewarded basically. And, mm-hmm. but then, you know, 2018, I went back to Rampage and, you know, I knew that, I'd been four times and it was no longer like my style of riding was not going to be like, you know, 
something that got people too too excited, at least in that format of, of writing uh, mm-hmm. competition. And um, I was like, well, I'm not gonna get invited to Rampage again. So you know that might be that might be the end of you mm-hmm. know well, I have to decline as a provider. But you know I was I was really happy that I had gone that far. Like I never thought that you know. Yeah. And so following that, actually, I you know started YouTube and my YouTube channel was you know nothing super well done or anything like that. But I was like, hmm. And I didn't invent anything either. Like I was just filming POV of, of trails, but I guess I was one of the few providers to, to do it. Mm-hmm. And then people really enjoyed when, you know, I was giving tips. So I started to mix that with, with writing tips. And I think that was very valuable for sponsors. Mm-hmm. Um, but also what really helped me is that I took all the free riding and all, all the stuff I'd done on my Dunning bike, which was finding new gaps in Whistler. Uh, finding, you know, the hardest line I could possibly uh, ride. And I actually started to a trail bike. And the trail bike was way more marketable than the Dunhill bike because that's what companies want to sell. It's trail. Right. That's why yeah. uh, yeah. it's way more, you know, you sell 98 trail bikes for two Dunhill bikes. like something Yeah, something. yeah, yeah. And so I started to, you know, have the same approach, go on non-trails and try to find, you know, the gnarliest line you could, think of or like create new lines so on the non-trail you know find a new gap or you know a rock face that people would write down i'd be like you know maybe i can jump it and so i started to focus on that and i think that's the best thing i've done for my for my career mm-hmm. for sure. are you looking at like getting travel budgets and trying to do more more filming kind of like that and less competition is that kind of your your long-term yeah. goal right now or yeah, so I'm, I'm no longer competing um, mm-hmm. at all, actually. I might do a few, like, Urban Donny event, but it's more, like, it's more just just for the vibe and, and yeah. you know, to, to make a video out of it. But mm-hmm. it's not to be competitive at it. You know, I'm no longer, you know, training. Like, I don't do intervals anymore. Uh, <laughs> like, I would not be, you know, I would not be competitive. Like, I'm a better rider now than I used to be. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, I have more skills more skills, more style, but on the physical aspect and just how bad I want to go fast. That's kind of what faded away a little bit, but I'm definitely a better rider than before. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck on that. Um, yeah, for travel budgets, that's, that's what I'm, I'm working on now, just to go to location and just, you know, either it's with a sponsor or with a tourism company and, and just, you know, do videos that get people stopped on, on writing. That's, that's yeah, yeah. I think I just go and write. And if I have fun, people would have fun watching the video and all the tips I can, you know, give along. I'll, you know, I'll do my best to keep the video as well educative. So people are excited to, to watch them. And, you know, hopefully they watch that on a Thursday, they learn something and then they look forward to go on Saturday on their bike and apply what they learned. Yeah. Yeah, I had Andrew Taylor on a long time ago. He was another Rampage writer, and uh, he kind of did got into more like video stuff after afterwards as well. Where that was kind of what what he was doing, like go to Mexico and film this thing or whatever. So that's pretty 
I think, I think it's cool. It's definitely, how did you get in, like get over the hump of learning how to edit and stuff like that? I mean, that's, uh, that's the hard part, right? <laughs> oh, and I'm still, I'm still learning every day. Like, um, yeah. I was never good at it and I was never interested in being good at it, but obviously you have, if you look at my videos, they're really, really, really basic. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm a GoPro athlete and I really enjoy using the GoPro. Like I've you know, one year, and, you know, I'm very picky with the settings and how I set it up on my helmet, on my chest, or you know, I've, I'm like getting like I really enjoy using the camera. Mm -hmm. but what I enjoy the most is getting you know that one clip for Instagram. You know that one 10 second clip, and mm -hmm. that's where I want to go further. Where you know, find like, a, you know, cool sunset, a cool trail and have perfect light and, you know, provide the highest quality video I can. Mm -hmm. um, but for YouTube, you know, I keep it like basic and really focus on the writing and, and the tips more than the editing. Like I never do anything fancy with editing. I, I try to, you know, I try to keep it like fairly simple. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I let the writing talk and, and you know, and the yeah. chief really my thing. With the editing, like, you know, I don't want to spend hours, um, you know, putting a video together when I get a time. Like, what I enjoy is writing, filming. Mm -hmm. But the editing part, it's, you know, it's never, you know, so I try to get the highest quality. Yeah. I, use, I use DaVinci Resolve and, you know, I, I do little tweaks to the color here and there. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't necessarily have a story every time. You know, you see some of them, I mean, for any sport or any category, like all the most successful YouTubers have like a story. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I was chatting with a few other like fellow uh, mountain bike YouTubers. And it's like, you need a story. But the thing is that a lot of time I don't have a story. My story is I'm going to go and ride that cool trail with my friends. And yeah, and uh, I think that you ride at a certain skill set that um, the story isn't as needed. Like you said it earlier, you said let let the writing do its own talking, and I think that is probably where it really comes into play. Because like to watch you ride, like like I was watching you with um, BCPOV, you did a video with him, and I mean he's a good rider. He's a really good rider. But to watch like you behind him, you could see the difference in like where your skill level is, you know. And so when um, and I feel like somebody like him is already at maybe a a level that people feel like is like on the cusp of, of unobtainable. But maybe it's like, oh, I can kind of relate with him because he stops on this and he works his way through it, you know, where you watch a video that you put out, you know hauling balls down some freaking you know mountaintop into where there's a cliff where you just you gotta stop because there's no more trail you know like that's that's a little different where it's like that's entertaining to watch you know yeah so it's kind of like but you know on youtube i never ride super like i never ride at my limits whereas mm -hmm. on instagram you know if it's a 10 second clip i'm gonna put way more effort on the riding mm -hmm. um, because you know the demographic and what people expect to see it's completely different. Whereas YouTube, you know, a lot of time I, I do the jump once and that's it. Or, you know, I get different angle. But, you know, even if I 
try to train much better. I don't go back up to video games. Like I try to keep it real. So it's, you know, you'll watch the video and then you go and ride with your friend and it's the same feeling, you know, like I just filmed the video earlier today. It's just for my uh, second channel. I just put raw clips. So I just basically rode with my friend and, you know, he's a really good rider, but he knows the trail really, really well. And they were slippery and, you know, I just, today I was, you know, I was pretty cold and didn't, uh, I don't know, I was not very, not feeling super confident on my bike. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty sketchy. The trails are, the trails we rode, they were difficult, gnarly. There's like a lot of things going on. And, you know, he knows the trail super well. I don't. And, you know, I just, I wasn't riding well. And it's not something I'm proud of. Like, I wasn't proud of my riding at all. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that was me today. I didn't ride super well. Here you go. You'll see the video. You know, I made a lot of mistakes. And, you know, I won't edit any of it. Everything would go in. And that's, you know, that's how it is. But on Instagram, like, I put more effort to make sure that I provide the best riding possible to my viewers. Yeah. How do you work through those days like when you're having an off day? Do you just accept it and kind of like, hey, this is where I'm riding at today and don't let it eat at you? Or do you do something to try to like overcome it? Or how? what do you do? Um, like I know a lot of it has to do with the amount of fun I have. And, you know, I was I was just super cold. I mean, I had like good gear, but we took the e-bikes, so we didn't sweat a mm-hmm. lot of, you know, a big amount. And when you ride behind someone and you can't really see where you're going, like you just follow someone, it's just sketchy. And sometimes it's yeah. just hard to, you know, when the trail is tight and there's a lot going on and, you know, you start riding and the trail is not, so those are trails that we rode that not many people ride. So yeah. they, are not, they are not in very good shape. Uh, there yeah. are a bunch of rocks here and there. And, you know, it's difficult to be behind someone and, so, you know, I'm like, it doesn't really affect me because I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah I have a hard time. I have a hard time following people. I, I tend to like really lock on their, their tire, like my vision. And yeah. I, then I just start making mistakes unless, you know, you really know the person well and you know what kind of lines they take, then you can kind of just trust it. But not usually do you feel that much comfort with somebody, you know what I mean? So. I try not to, I usually end up taking some space, but I think when I have those days where I'm off, I just accept it for the day and just, I'm like, just have as much fun as you're going to have and let it be, you know? Yeah. I think, I think it's the same with me. You know, it's like I knew I was very tired today. Yeah. You know, I, you know, tonight I'd go to bed early and hopefully tomorrow, you know, I wake up and I'm, you know, inspired to go fast and, you know, feel good on the bike. It's, Sometimes really tough. it's just to start like the trail by, you know, something that boosts your confidence and makes you relax for the rest of the trail. Mm-hmm. When you start, like I started and right at the start, I made a mistake. Like at the very, like five seconds in. And that's really, I was like, and then I made a second mistake. And, you know, mm-hmm. you're like, that's, that's out on the confidence. Yeah, yeah. Out of all the places that, that you get to ride, you know, through your career and stuff, what's your favorite place that you, that you would like, when you think about, man, this would be my favorite place that I've ridden. Uh, home. Home. Yeah. So Squamish. Yeah. Squamish, Whistler, Pemberton, Britannia, Vancouver. Yeah. That's the, you know, I, you know, I love those places. Um, 
But we don't enjoy Chile. Uh-huh. Um, Patagonia was, was amazing. I wrote some incredible trails there. Um, is it the riding or was it like the view that made it like so much amazing? Well, you know, definitely both. Um, uh -huh. The riding was, was spectacular. And, right you know, the people, I mean, everywhere I've met incredible people. Um, yeah. I really, really like Switzerland. I went uh -huh. and I, I rode some, some incredible terrain. I was, I was really pumped. Um, what else? I mean, yeah, yeah. That's that's it for that's the. Good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. What kind? What uh, what riders do you look up to? Like, who do you like watching and and being like, man, I really dig that person's style. And I mean, there's there's, there's so many talented riders. Um, uh, Brayden Bellinghurst that climbs the wall in Shilata mm -hmm. on his on his, on his trail bike. That is, he's he's you know one of the most talented riders out there. I think. Um, yeah, I watched that video the other day. It was amazing. But, uh, <laughs> but he's, you know, he's, he's extremely good at literally everything. Like, yeah. in, on the bike, it's, like his style, his skill, his fitness, you know, he's got the full package, right? Um, mm -hmm. On the Daniel circuit, you know, Loïc Bruni, Loïc Vergier, Amory Pierron, Jackson Goldstone, you know, he's, he's from Squamish and, you know, he's a buddy mm -hmm. of Thailand. Yeah, it's pretty cool because I ride moto with him, like trials and enduro, and you know you see him like struggle on the moto. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, basically we 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 are beginners, right, and, right. And he's basically, you know, we rode that weekend when he won Val Nord as a junior, but he also had the fastest time of the day, so he's uh -huh. the fastest rider in the world. Yeah, and that was the race was on Saturday, and he flew back to Canada on Sunday. We went and rode together on moto on Monday or Tuesday. And he was just struggling. Like he was just and it's pretty it's pretty funny, you know, to tease him and be like, you know, he had arm pumps. And I was like, dude, you're the fastest mountain biker right now. And you yeah. suck on so you know, it's, it's pretty funny. Um so Jackson Goldstone, you know, I mean so many guys. Yeah. You think that's good for you guys to have something that you're not good at, so it kind of like humbles you? Yeah, of course, you know, and that makes us, that make us like appreciate, um, you know, the other sports. Like, it's, I mean, I'm a huge fan of, you know, so many sports. Like, there's so many stuff. Like, even skiing. Like, I'm looking at uh, one of my buddies, probably one of the best skier in the world right now. Mm -hmm. This season, I go and ski with him, and it's just like, yeah, it's. It's it's so cool to see like to see someone at you know the top of their game. It's it's unreal. Yeah. From the same like I've never actually ridden with you know top actually trials moto. I did ride with a top rider once, um, and it's just like you know you just sit and you look at them, and yeah. it's, it's so cool. You know it's uh, just like a really cool really cool feeling. Yeah 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 yeah. It's it's definitely. I mean I I think it's like no matter what you're watching, like to watch somebody that's at that level. Like if you watch somebody that plays guitar at that level or somebody that, you know, whatever it is, it's just, um, it's, it's really, it's inspiring. And it's just amazing to see that somebody put that much time into, you know, becoming that good at something. So sure. what are you excited about for the future? Um, I'm going to keep doing the same as what I'm currently doing for as long as I love it. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm just always excited to go and, you know, check out new places and, you know, see people I've, I've met through biking that I haven't seen in a while. And just like the feeling of like creating something you're proud of, uh, something that gets me like really excited. And I'm, I'm also very excited for, you know, stuff I do outside of, outside of, uh, of biking, uh, whether it's, you know, simple things like just, you know, going for dinner with my friends and mm-hmm. and just, you know, living in Squamish, it's, you know, for me, like every day when I wake up, like I'm, I'm living my dream. That's, yeah. you know, what's, your favorite, what's your favorite meal to go get with your friends? Uh, it depends in the winter, Indian food. Indian food, all oh, right on. Yeah, there's quite a few Indian places in Squamish. Uh-huh. There's a big yeah. um, and uh, yeah, we we usually watch a supercross. So every Saturday night, someone hosts a dinner. We usually, you know, do Indian food, and uh, yeah, it's just just really fun time. You know, a good beer, and I see <laughs> a bunch of beers behind. So, uh, you know, good beer and Indian food. Um, I love to cook at home, though. So yeah. What's your specialty? If you had if you had a date coming over, what would you be like? This is what this is my meal. Uh, avocado cashew. It's like a pesto. It's like a basil avocado cashew. All right, uh, right on. And pasta. That's you know that never disappoints. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, just, like, I just cook like I just cook like easy stuff, but uh, you know like just nice veggies on, on the barbecue. Yeah. I, I do. I'm a horrible cook, man. I, I'm no good at it. So I, I, my wife is very good cook and, um, I, I don't even know. Like it's, it's, you know how you were talking about watching a professional do something. That's what it's like watching her cook. Cause it's like, I don't even know what language she's speaking. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and you know, people don't really know that about me, but my biggest to be in life is eating. Yeah. Yeah. Right on, man. My favorite thing in the world. You'll never yeah. see me appear at a restaurant. Oh, yeah. in front of me. Yeah, I, you said earlier that your favorite f- food in the winter is the Indian food. So, do you have like seasonal favorites? What do you like in the summertime? Well, in the summer, like Indian would feel like too heavy and too hot. Um, I I actually love like super. Well, is there like you know pretty gastronomic food? Like coming mm-hmm. from France, you know, I like you know a good like very nice restaurant. Um, but stuff that I do at home is usually super healthy. Like I, I like to eat very healthy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it could be just, you know, like a Buddha bowl or nice vegetables with, you know, a salmon and, and some, you know, yeah, yeah. wild rice or something like that. I, I really enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, every time that I, visit somewhere or like where I've lived places for a while, you always have like a favorite from there. Like for instance, when I was in Germany, the Turkish donor stands, like those donors were like so good, but what is it? What is it from, from France that you miss that you think about? Well, France, I mean, it's got like a few specialty, but not really where I'm from. Uh, it's just like, I mean, the food in France is just very sophisticated, right? But mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, there's a few restaurants in France and in, uh, in Whistler and, you know, they identify their food as, you know, French gastronomic. And it's, you know, basically would be like some duck or like a steak mm-hmm. or, you know, a fish trio, but just like very refined, like, you know, the best part of the meat or the fish and, you know, like some little potatoes or 
root vegetables like very very well cooked um, yeah. it's kind of what it is really it's uh yeah. you know when you think about it you're eating like veggies with meat yeah. uh, and, and a sauce but it's just the way it's done it's you know they put a lot of effort in yeah how to cook stuff and how to prepare it and uh yeah that's I mean, Do you like to watch cooking shows? No, I don't actually. I'm terrible at recipes. I don't follow recipes. I just, I just free ride it. There you go. Just make it up as you go, right? <laughs> That's rad, man. What um, what did you said earlier that you're a GoPro rider? Did you have you tried out the new mini yet? Uh, I do actually. What is it? <laughs> what What's your take on it? What do you think? Oh, it's been. I mean. The biggest thing is the weight difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite lighter. I mean, it's not it's not half of the weight, but when it's on your helmet, it's mm-hmm. you know it, it it does make a difference, especially in a trail bike helmet. And it's yeah. you know it's really stu- it's like it's basically the same camera, just you don't have the screen, so yeah. it's right there and you connect it from your phone. Like you do all your settings on the phone, which is actually easier. easier. Yeah, yeah. the camera and you know usually your GoPro settings like I mean I do change when I'm on the fly um, from you know wide to super view or mm-hmm. hyper view depending what I feel um, but for the most part you don't really change settings yeah yeah you can leave it so you, you kind of have your settings at work and you know I change the settings here and there depending what I ride you know if I'm in Moab and there's no trees around it's one thing if I'm in Squamish, but you know, settings that I have in Squamish, summer or winter, basically the same. So, mm-hmm. but you can't, there's no battery in that though, right? Well, today I feel I can tell you how much is left. But I mean, you can't replace it. It's only like you charge it, it's internal, right? Yeah. So I have four bars left out of five, and I found a downhill that was pretty. Over a thousand meters of elevation, more because we did. And so I think the footage I got was about 35 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I used 20% of the battery. Yeah, so it's pretty good. It's I think it's really good. Like yeah. I was impressed with it because I, I wanted to try it because the 11, like when you have it on the chest the weight of it, especially if you're in something really, really technical, it, it kind of flops, you know? So it, it, I think it makes the stabilization just look a little bit not as good. And I think that lighter weight might help, you know? Yeah, the lighter weight will help. Uh, I mean, on the chest, you know, like mechanically, you have to tie it, you know, really yeah. tight. Um, but also, it really depends on your ISO. Um, you know, what kind of lighting you use, like if it's dark, you need to crank up the, the ISO. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been like, for me, the event has been, I mean, it's been really good. I mostly use it on my helmet. I feel like that's a view that people prefer. And your helmet is, because when you think about it, your chest is moving so much. But mm-hmm. if you go for subscription, you can, um, you can stabilize the footage. Because uh, uh, GoPro purchase real steady. And it's mm-hmm. unreal what you can do with it. Interesting. You could literally film with the stabilization off and stabilize on real steady and have it like it looks like you're wearing a gimbal. Oh wow, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's with the subscription. Yeah. 
But so now I have a but I never look at any of the stuff that they have on there. I just use it it's for the, actually, yeah. the stuff they give you. And actually, because right now the GoPro is um, the 11, they do a package deal with a subscription. And uh, I mean, right now, the okay, so I'm on the website. AO 11 Black Friday savings, $459 instead of $709. And that's with the new AO 11 Black, and it includes a one-year GoPro subscription. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they basically make it so that it doesn't make any sense not to get the subscription. So I've, yeah. I've had the subscription for a couple of years now, but like I said, I don't use the tools. It's really just about buying the GoPro cheaper, you know? Yeah. I'll, I'll have to check that stuff out. They do make a difference. Like it, I don't use them much myself because I put it on my head um, mm. all the time. Um, but it's definitely, I want to play with Real Steady. I think I could up my video game by using yeah. it. Yeah. You use the, the 360 as well that they have? or? Yep. Right on. Yeah, and I use the 360 mostly for Instagram. For what? Instagram? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that one clip that I was talking about earlier where you're kind of just like the city's down below you. I think it's like sunset and you just shot this shoot down kind of to the end of there was no more trail. And that yeah. that clip just looked amazing. It really looked good. I actually have the very same clip filmed another day by Brooks Atlantica. But I filmed it because when I did that, it was my first or second ride back after an injury. Uh-huh. Um, so I was not very confident, but I opened up a new line from the top. I gap into the rock face. So uh -huh. I go significantly faster. Oh, and, wow. Uh, and the color look even better, I think. Right on, man. I'll have to check wanna, out. I'll, I'll post that in a, in a few weeks. Right on. That'll be fun to see. Well, we're almost here wrapping up at the time that you had. I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to sit down and chat with me, man. It was really fun getting to know you a little bit and, I mean, we've chatted here and there on on the Slack group, but uh, definitely didn't get a chance to, to get to know you like we did tonight. So I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on the podcast. And uh, Yeah. I always ask people at the end of the show, what other YouTube channels do you like to watch, whether or not it's mountain biking or not? What do you, what do you like to watch? Hmm, good question. Um, I, I do watch, you know, other... Um, other bike YouTubers who, yeah, or, you yeah. know, pro riders who, who've done, you know, I, I kind of like scroll around and whenever I see something that, you know, is that catches my attention, whether it's like, you know, a trail that I've heard about, uh, you mm -hmm. know, something I went on the video and it's very obvious from the thumbnail or the title, I'll, I'll definitely watch it. Um, I guess I would be looking at, um, I do, I do look at some motor videos, mm -hmm. uh, you know, race recap because I can, I learn a lot from watching pro riders. Um, yeah. You know, doing their thing. So on the moto, like especially Yard Enduro, you know, you see the guys like going up like super technical, super difficult terrain. And I can see how they position themselves on the bike. And that really helps me with my own riding. So. Are there guys from in the moto that are doing kind of like BKXE where they're like tell you how to do stuff and like kind of tell a story, or is it more just like riding? You know what? There's I think there's one channel, but it's really for motocross. Uh -huh. uh, the guy is, you know, he's on the verge to be a pro rider. Uh -huh. 
but not there yet. And so he's, he's got a YouTube channel that does really, really good. I forgot his name, actually. Um, yeah. But it's more like motocross. So yeah. I don't have as much interest. There is a channel for Enduro Moto. Um, and the guy kind of tests the bikes and, you know, compare bikes. And yeah, yeah. He watched his channel before. He's got some really good tips. Um, yeah. Forgot it. Dot Bike TV is the name. Uh, oh, okay. Somewhere in Utah. And, on, yeah, it's actually, yeah, I feel like there's a big market for moto for YouTube because, you know, it's a yeah. bigger, bigger sport than mountain biking. So, yeah, yeah, there's, it's so crazy. There's so much stuff out there too, man. It doesn't matter. Like, right when you think you've seen them all, the next day you get on, you're like, find some channel that has like 100,000 subscribers you never even heard of. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's pretty crazy. Like, yeah. I'm not for how, right. How small this part is, basically. Right. Well, once again, man, really appreciate you being here. All of you guys that are listening, definitely go check out his stuff. If you haven't checked it out before, there's a link in Show More. You can hit, um, while, you're, while you're down there in the Show More stuff, you can hit the thumbs up if you enjoyed this or subscribe if you want to see some more. If you're listening on the podcast, do the follow or, like I said at the beginning, if you could swing by Apple Podcasts, write me a five-star review. That'd be rad, too. So if you don't want to do any of that, I totally get it. Just remember one thing. It only takes a bike to be a biker. Get out and be one. <laughs>